Welcome again. If it is your first time or you are new and just been with us for the past few weeks, um, I have some really fun announcements I want to share with you guys. The night is just flying by already, but my gosh, there's just so many good things to talk about. Next Thursday, everyone say next Thursday. We have a very merry Excel Christmas extravaganza happening at Excel, okay? So what is that exactly? There it is, a very merry Excel Christmas extravaganza. Can you say that three times fast? Good. All right. There we go. So what is that exactly? Well, I will tell you. Next week, we are partying like it is Christmas morning at Excel. So we're going to have a lot of fun games. We're going to have some competitions. There are prizes to be won. Santa might or might not make an appearance, okay? Um, And it's just going to be an awesome time. So let me tell you some of the things that are happening next Thursday, because I want you guys to show up and show out, okay? I want you to be prepared to win, okay? We are having three different kinds of costume contests, okay? Three. So you have three opportunities to win something. We're having best Christmas movie costume, best Christmas movie costume, Ugliest sweater and best Christmas pajamas. Okay? Okay. So you got three chances to win one of those categories. Maybe you can find a way to coordinate all three. I don't know if there's a movie character with an ugly sweater in his pajamas, but if you can do it, go for it. So again, we'll post those on social media so you can remember, but you got a week to prepare for that. Got it? Love it. There's another competition we're having. So if you bring a friend who's never been to Excel, you and that friend or multiple friends will have your name entered into a drawing for a chance to win a surprise for you and your friend slash friends. So everybody could win, okay? So again, you and a friend who's never been to Excel. You, both your names will get entered into a drawing, and you guys can win some prizes. Sound good? Yes, it's going to be fun. We're going to have great treats. Again, we're going to party like it's Christmas morning. Come in your pajamas if you want, even if you don't want to enter the contest. But why not? Because you could win something. Okay, that. And then, oh, let me pull up the rest of my announcements. We got a few things happening. Okay. So um, December 16th, if you're a part of our XL Plus groups, which why wouldn't you be? They're awesome. They happen every Friday here at the church. The last time we're meeting is December 16th. So I think that's two more times. Two more times you have to meet, which is sad, but you don't want to miss out on those last two times. And then finally, on December 17th, we're having an Excel Serve Day. So what we're doing for our Serve Day, um, again, this is just for Excel. We have a chance to serve Belmont Church. So what we're going to do is um, on Christmas morning, we have a gift for everyone who comes to church. 
And on December 17th, us Excel, we're going to wrap that gift. So it's just a great time to serve together as a youth group. We're going to have hot chocolate for you guys. We're going to have a Christmas movie playing. You can wear your pajamas there again or your ugly sweater. So that's on December 17th from 10 to noon. Okay? So make sure you write that down. 10 to noon, December 17th. All right. I'm sorry. That's all the announcements, guys. That's, let's just get into it. Right? Right? Let's get to the word. That's what we're here for. God, we're hungry, so please feed us. Last week, uh, Pastor Izzy started us in a little sermon series we're doing leading up to Christmas called No Room. So he talked about, um, do you have room for Jesus? No room. Do you have room for Jesus? No room. Tonight, we're going to take that one step further. Where do you have room for Jesus in your life? Okay, so where do you have room? I know this can be kind of a strange question, where, what does that mean exactly? But we're going to look at four different people or groups of people tonight that are going to help us understand the different places of where we can put Jesus in our life, where we can place him. So I want to look right now at our, this is our main text for this series. You'll see it on the Sky Bible. This is Luke 2, 6 through 7. It says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. This is Mary. Talking about Mary. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. This is Jesus talking about Jesus now. And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So again, we're going to just dive right into this and look at some different people and see their response to where did they put Jesus. So first, I want to look at King Herod. So just to give you some context, too, if anyone's like, what is this? What are we talking about? What's going on? We're talking about the story of Jesus when he was born. Amen. Yes, Jesus. When he came to earth, this is the narrative of him being born. Um, And again, last week we got into it. Pastor Izzy had all the pictures and the nitty-gritty details. We talked about cloth for probably way too long, right? Swaddling cloth. Um, So now we're just going to look at the people that came to Jesus in response to his birth. So King Herod is who's king at the time when Jesus is born. He's a powerful ruler, and he just cares about the showiness and um, expanding his rule. So he hears that Jesus is born because of the wise men. So the three wise men who came to see Jesus, before they came to see Jesus, they came to Herod. And that's how he finds out that this king is born. Because the wise men come to them and they go, hey, Herod, where's this king of the Jews that's born? So to Herod, again, think in his context. He's a ruler. He has power. And he hears that a king is born. And instantly, you know, how does that make a ruler feel that another king is born? He feels threatened. Let's look at Matthew 2, 1 through 3. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he to be born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. 
So the Bible tells us right then and there his response. He was troubled. He was troubled that he hears another king is born. To him, it's who is this king of the Jews? People are already asking about him. You know, like I'm, I'm the ruler right now. What does this mean to my power, to my rule, to my reign? He feels threatened. He hears this from the wise men like we read. The wise men then are warned through a dream not to return to Herod. And when Herod hears that the wise men are not returning to him, well, that even adds more to his feelings and emotions right now of being threatened. This is in Matthew 2, 16. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So now, King Herod hears about this king, Jesus, the Messiah that's born, king of the Jews, feels troubled. And now he's, um, the wise men, they don't come back to him. And that infuriates him. So what's his response? He takes it out on babies. Two years old and under has them killed because he is that threatened by this news and what it's already doing to people. When we look at Herod's story and you ask yourself, where is Herod making room for Jesus? He's not. He feels threatened, troubled, like he's about to lose his power. So he cuts him off. Jesus cut off, not even making room for him. No room whatsoever. Now let's look at these wise men since we already mentioned him. This is in Matthew 2, 9 through 11. I know I'm kind of jumping around tonight from different verses, but again, this gives us a glimpse into what's happening. So in Matthew 2, this says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. So again, this is referring to the wise men. And behold, the stars that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So again, Herod responded by simply just cutting off Jesus altogether, not even giving him a chance because he feels so threatened. No room for Jesus, right? No room. Then we have our wise men here. What's the wise men's response? The wise men see, hey, there's something here that's worthy. There's something here that's special. There's something here that deserves us following the star and going to, to bring gifts to worship. They recognize that. Now some background insight to the wise men. So they're astronomers and astrologers of sorts. So that means they're paying attention to what's happening in the world and really in the sky. They've been looking for some kind of sign of hope. So when they see the star, they know they need to follow it. And they know that that means something special. 
So that's why they do follow it. And we can also see that they're people of wealth. We see that because of the kind of gifts that they bring to Jesus. When they get to Jesus, they offer homage to him. Um, homage can also be an expression of high regard, of, of respect to Jesus, this king that they're meeting. Now, the Bible doesn't talk again about the wise men. So we don't really know exactly what happens to them after. But we know that the Bible is intentional on what's in there and what's not. It's God's inspired word. Knowing that, it's most likely that the wise men, like we were saying, they recognize that there's something here worthy of paying a visit, worthy of paying homage to, but it's just for a moment because then they leave and we don't hear about them again. So where do the wise men make room? The wise men make room for Jesus, but just for a moment. He doesn't stay in their lives. Their worship doesn't continue. It's just for a moment, and then they're gone. So now let's look at the next group of people, the shepherds, okay? We have the shepherds now who come to visit Jesus. You guys tracking? Do you remember last week, Pastor Izzy showed us, I don't know if we still have it, uh, maybe our nativity scene? Sorry, that was uncalled for in my notes. But last week we looked at our nativity scene because Pastor Izzy was definitely like, this is not how it looks. You know, this was not accurate. That's okay. It's not, there, there we go. So yeah, but this at least shows us, these are the different groups of people. We have our wise men on the right, our shepherds on the left. So now let's talk about the shepherds. What is their response? Where are they making room for Jesus? Because they have a response for sure as well. For this, we're going to hop over to Luke now, the book of Luke. So just to also give context, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all narrate the story of Jesus' birth. They have different views, um, just different ways of describing it. So that's why we can kind of hop around between these four books to get different accounts of how it's viewed. So Luke 2, we're going to start in verse 6. It says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men, those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into, into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So that was a lot to read. But again, just to recap. So we have shepherds out in the field. An angel of the Lord appears to them, telling them that the Messiah is born. They were frightened by this angel, but they received word of Jesus. So they went. They, the angel said they would find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. And like I already mentioned last week, we dived into swaddling cloths and what those looked like. So that was their sign when they get to Mary and they see that baby in those cloths, that they found the one, they found the Messiah. So what's the shepherd's response once they get to Jesus? Did you catch it? Because we read it. The shepherds, they worshiped. Once they left that place, they were still telling people about what they had experienced and seen. And they were worshiping. It says that they they returned glorifying and praising God, which is proof that the encounter they had with Jesus, the baby Jesus, the Messiah transformed them in an instant. That they came into that place, that inn, to that manger, and left different than how they first arrived. So going back to the wise men, what does the wise men response look like? You know, I want to bring it into context for us. And what does a shepherd response look like? Remember again, the wise men, they encountered the Savior for just a moment, just a moment, but left the same. Can I be honest with you guys tonight? It looks like coming to church, worshiping, lifting our hands. I thank God. So good. So good. But you leave the same way you came in. You don't leave changed. You don't leave like you encountered the Savior. That's a wise man response. It looks like going to momentum and leaving momentum the same way that you came on the bus. What's a shepherd response? It's coming to church, encountering the Messiah who came to earth for us, for each one of you, and being transformed by him, by his life, by his words, by his love for you. That's a shepherd's response. That's a response where we come in this place and we worship God and we leave different than how we came in because we've encountered the Savior. That's a good response. The shepherds, they leave change. The wise men, they see it out of duty, out of obligation. Again, there was something there that they could recognize was worthy to be praised, but they didn't allow it to change them. There's a fourth response. There's a fourth response of where can we fit Jesus into our lives? That's through the eyes, and I love this one, through the eyes of Mary and Joseph. Now, hearing about Herod, hearing about the wise men and the shepherds, it's pretty easy to remove ourselves, if we were standing in their shoes, kind of to remove ourselves really from the story of Jesus. Up until he's born, they don't really 
personally know the Savior. You know, the wise men just heard about him. The shepherds just heard about him. But who at this point in history knows Jesus the best? His parents. You can't remove yourself from the story of Jesus if you're Mary and Joseph. You are in it there with them. Think about all that Mary and Joseph at this point needed to do for Jesus as a baby being born. I can relate a lot because I have a four-month-old baby. I know what she needs daily, hourly. She needs fed. She needs her butt wiped. She needs taken care of. She needs to be comforted. That's exactly what Mary and Joseph need to do for Jesus. How better do you get to know a person when you literally have to take care of their life in your hands? They cleaned him. They rocked him. They soothed him. If he felt afraid, they comforted him. They make funny faces to get him to laugh. He's a baby. I know we're talking about Jesus, but he's still a baby. It's not like today, too, where... You know, we have technology and I can put Barney in front of Dottie and she's good for an hour or so, you know. They don't have that luxury. It's just Mary and Joseph and Jesus. They were so focused on Jesus. What's this response? What is this response of making room for Jesus in their lives? I love, this is in Luke 1. 46. Mary says this before Jesus is even born. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty and has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. That sounds like she's focused on Jesus, right? My soul magnifies the Lord. Again, she's saying this before he's even born. Her focus is on Jesus. She is making room for Jesus. And where is that room? It is so integrated into every part of her life. He is her everything now. That's how much room Jesus is taking up in her life. Though Jesus isn't an infant anymore, in swaddling cloths and needing change every few hours, we can look at Mary and Joseph's life and their focus and put it in practice today. Like I said, focusing on Jesus is fully integrating him into our lives, every part. Where do we make room? Every part of our lives is how you make room for Jesus when you're really focused on him. Band, you guys can come back up now and start to play. So looking at these responses again, each one of these people or groups of people you can look at and ask yourselves, where are they making room for Jesus? Three of them, too, honestly, aren't bad. The wise men, it's not bad. Like we've been saying, they at least recognized there's someone here worthy of being worshipped. There's something here worthy of me coming and worshipping. The shepherds, 
they recognized Jesus as the Savior, left transformed by him. Mary and Joseph, totally and completely enthralled with Jesus and making room in every area, in every way of their lives for him. Each response is one step closer to Jesus. Each response is making a little bit more room in our lives for him. Can I ask us tonight, Excel, where are you making room for Jesus? In your life, where are you making room for him? Who of these people do you resonate with? I want to encourage you guys that no matter where you fall into one of these categories, that you can still take a step closer to Jesus. And even if you're like, hey, we're Mary and Joseph. I'm Mary and Joseph. That's amazing. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep integrating him into every part of your life. Keep running the race. Like I said, I believe everyone can resonate with one of these groups tonight. And I want to give every person here a chance to respond. Can we all just bow our head and close our eyes right now? I ask you to close your eyes because I just want you to focus right now on the Lord. You don't need to be looking at me. You don't need to be looking at the band or who's next to you. It's not what's important right now in this moment. It's about Jesus. Ask yourself, where am I making room for Jesus? Where are you making room for him tonight? Are you like the wise men? You come to excel every week. You lift your hands. You come up front. But maybe you realize your life's not fully changed. And Jesus is here to change your life. And for the better, for the good, he has great, great things for you. Freedom for you. Love for you. Or even like the shepherds, you're making Jesus a priority in your life. And that's amazing. And I'm happy that you are. But maybe there's still some room left. That you're going, where am I putting Jesus? Maybe he's next to the hobbies or the sports that I'm really involved in. And there just might be some room left for me to give him complete and total control and trust in my life. And I even want to give you a chance to respond if you feel like you're Herod tonight. Maybe you've just said no to Jesus before. You've cut him off. You have no room for him. If that's you, I want to read you real quick a verse in Ephesians 1. This is the message version. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And takes us at the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. 
had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. God loves you so much. And my first question again tonight is for anyone in this room who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you once did, and you realize in this moment, hey, I need to come back to that. I want to give you a chance to respond to the word. So on the count of three, I just ask you to raise your hand. Again, nobody's looking around. This is just to acknowledge Jesus I need you. I need the Messiah. I will make room for you. One, two, three. I see that hand. Who says they want to make room for Jesus tonight? Rededicate your life to Jesus. I see that hand. Once you lift your hand, you can put it back down. Then I want to ask in this room, who here feels like I've made room for Jesus? Maybe you responded last week. Because last week we asked you that question. Do you want to make room for Jesus? Maybe you just feel like you know you need to make room. Where is he tonight? He's in a little bit of my heart. He's in a little bit of my life. But I want to make room tonight. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You recognize you need to make room for Jesus tonight. That there's more room. Where are you putting him? Fully in your life. Is there anybody here? Jesus is in your life, but you know you need to make more room. Could we have every person stand in this place? And could I get some of my leaders uh, to come down front and even on the sides? You can spread out to the sides. Students, you might already know this, or maybe not if you're new, but we have incredible leaders who are here for you. Now, we're going to worship in a moment. But can I just ask, if you raised your hand tonight for any of those things, even if you didn't raise your hand, would you come talk to one of them, please? They want to hear what's going on in your heart, in your mind, in your life, and they want to pray with you. And that will strengthen you and encourage you. And let's worship for a moment, okay? 
Let's worship while we're in the presence of the Lord, of Jesus, our Messiah. Worship team, you can take it away.